So in this episode, I speak with my good friend, Tim Hip. Tim is a 20-year veteran in the fitness industry. He's owned Wellness Solutions for m- much of that time where he has been installing fitness equipment in part of the early days of the functional fitness movement and now has been involved in the what I would say the early days of the recovery movement. He has a facility called RXR3 Recovery Lounge in Haymarket, Virginia in which they cover a number of modalities that we'll discuss in this episode. So float tanks, PMF, red light therapies, cryotherapy, infrared sauna, etc. So we get into some of the science of that, but also the value and what it does for you and his uh, philosophy on stacking those to get the most bang for your buck, so to speak. So we we get into it and um, Tim's able to explain really well the value of it. So I think you'll get tons of value out of this episode, lots to learn and for you to dig into on these topics individually. But uh, please share, like, and uh, forward on to some friends after you've had the chance to listen. Thanks for listening. Remember, be rested, be well. All right, my guest today is Mr. Tim Hip, uh, not only a friend of mine, but also someone who's been a uh, an inspirer of this podcast and uh, been looking forward to having Tim on. He is a 20-year veteran of the fitness industry, founder of owner of two businesses. One is Wellness Solutions, and the other one that we'll be talking mostly about is RXR3 Recovery Lounge. Tim, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Such a joy to be here. Congratulations on the podcast. I, uh, I've been keeping up with you, so keep hammering. Good job. Yeah, thanks. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, um, we'll get into the ARCs, our three um, recovery lounge, and that was kind of the one of the key things of you um, informing me or educating me on some of the different modalities available out there. But before we dig into RX and, and wellness solutions, you know, a little bit about your background, you know, kind of how you got into uh, – the fitness industry 20 plus years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it was one of those things. I think everybody, when they are, when they're younger, um, you know, they, they yeah, fitness in some shape or form, whether it be weightlifting, I think particularly for young males, um, you know, weightlifting is, is, has been something that has pulled some folks into the world. And, and that was the case for me. Uh, I, I wanted to, you know, I was a skinny, I wrestled, so I was a skinny six foot frame person. So I, I needed to put some, some meat on those bones, um, and, uh, approached a guy that I worked with and, um, and started working out with him. And, uh, I, I really think it was at a point in time where my body responded well to, uh, to weightlifting and, uh, within a matter of, of three to six months, uh, had put on 15 pounds of muscle and, um, you know, kind of the rest was history, but, you know, it kind of laid a foundation of, uh, of discipline that, that kind of, you know, I think the foundation was certainly in, 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 in high school sports with wrestling, but, you know, just kind of added into it in those early college years when, uh, when my friends were out doing things that I guess college kids do, I was, uh, I was definitely focused on, uh, studying, sleeping, eating, and lifting. That was kind of my, uh, my core four, but, um, studied exercise science uh at Appalachian State uh met my wife 
who also studied exercise science. And, um, you know, if I, if I think about over the past 30 years, um, that has really been my tool uh, to, uh, to, to kind of propel me in, in, in life. Uh, obviously, a strong relationship with Christ uh, is a good, fa- is, you know, is a solid foundation, but the physical component and just struggling, um, you know, with weightlifting or, or, or any type of physical challenge, you know, it just helps me just kind of, kind of push through it. So, yeah, I mean, it lays a good foundation. You mentioned the discipline on any aspect of life that you can push through the physical, you can correlate that or overlay that to other aspects of your life. Um, For sure. So taking that exercise science, what, was kind of the precipitous to do wellness solutions. I think that was your first business, right? In, in fitness industry and what that yes. is. Yeah. When I, I was in college, I, um, I, I took, it was a winter break. I took, um, I, I guess, you know, there was, it was a ton of snow in, in Boone, North Carolina was not a lot. I had my own personal training business. Plus I was working at the hospital wellness center, but everything was kind of shut down. And, um, called my uncle in North Carolina that uh, was working for a company called Southern Fitness Products and went down there for about two weeks and made sales calls, loaded trucks, uh, fell in love with the kind of the, the fitness, the exercise equipment business and um, took over a territory in my senior year of college, took over a territory, which is this territory, the Mid-Atlantic, Maryland, Virginia, D.C., was making sales calls, studying, still personal training, um, I, I, I didn't need a lot of sleep, I guess, when I was in college. Um, so just was doing all of that. And then just kind of that catapulted me into moving up here right when I graduated. Um, sad story. Uh, within probably about a year and a half, uh, the president of that company, uh, Steve Crittenden, uh, died. Um, had, a, uh, had a brain tumor that was cancerous. And, um, and so... After that, I mean, just created Wellness Solutions. That was in ninety. That was in ninety nine, two thousand, and um, and then from that, um, you know, just continued. You know, just grew Wellness Solutions as a as a company that that focused on a unique way of training, not just you know, not just a traditional way of training, but more of a functional training. I think that was you know, you think of the early two thousands before functional training was a was a popular term. Um, just kind of aligned myself or aligned our company with, uh, with ways that were not traditional. I, I just, I feel like, you know, if you're going to stand out in your industry. You need to find a sense of unique ability um, to be able to, uh, you know, to share that story, to kind of give your customers and then some um, approach to, to fitness. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, just forward leaning on things. And like you said, like functional fitness, what, 20 years ago was not exactly a term. And now it's like one of the, the key terms and, and methods and procedures when it seems when it comes to fitness and less stacking, silo stacking on sport related. I had other conversations sure. where you're seeing a continuum. There's a baseline understanding regardless of whether it's football, whether it's soccer, track or being a ballerina. There's some a lot of the physiology is the same. It's just the desired outcome and then how you adjust those programmings to, to tweak it. Yeah. I was going to say just over the past 50 years, you've seen something from the days of Arthur Jones, where you had circuit training, 
and you are specifically targeting a major muscle, you go through a circuit, uh, and then you're done. Um, to where now, uh, you're, you're doing through three different planes of motion. Uh, you're not just in one, one plane. Um, and then kind of, you know, functional fitness is, you know, has many, many terms, but you know, where it originated was just like, Hey, listen, we may be strong in the gym, but am I strong outside of the gym? I mean, you know, what, why am I working out? It's not just that mirror test. Cause as you and I both know, we don't look like we did when we were in our twenties. Um, but how do we want to function when we're 80 or 90 or a hundred? I mean, I always had this goal in my mind. I want to be 110. Um, because there's a lot to see. There's a lot, you know, you, you can imagine what things, how many different things or how many different changes you would see in society over a 110 year period. Uh, so that's the you know, kind of what keeps me driving, but, you know, to train in a functional way, to continue to make those challenges um, in your workout and different, you know, you know, just really attacking your weaknesses, not to have stronger weaknesses, but just so the weakness doesn't circumvent what your overall goal for fitness is. Yeah. And, you know, kind of the basis of this in um, RXR3 recovery lounge is, you know, being able to enable, uh, yourselves to be able to recover well because there's a lot of life to be led you know like you said there's a lot to see and and you want to do it uh well and be able to enjoy it not being stuck on a couch or what have you so if there's ways to mitigate or hedge or improve that's kind of where we want to be um so as you spent the time with wellness you've been in gyms you're at major universities doing these installs and things of that nature um, where along the lines did you start to see that next, you know, going from functional fitness, seeing that early on to some of these modalities now that they're starting to get a little bit more mainstream that you have at the recovery lounge, um, you know, maybe give your perspective on what you were seeing and then why you felt that the recovery lounge was something that could be successful. For sure. Um, you know, I think as, as a business owner, you're, you're, you're always thinking of strategy and, and sometimes it's not even just an intentional thought. It's just something that's in your brain, kind of how you're wired. Um, and I would say probably around 2007, 2008, when CrossFit was, was, was really coming on board, coming on online, where you started to see these boxes to show up and, you know, they were going to get horse stall mats and, 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 and a rig and some bars and plates, uh, for a distributor or even for a, a manufacturer for fitness equipment, um, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of margin in, in the volume. You know, if you look at, um, you know, University of Michigan, I mean, that was $1.5 million worth of, worth of strength and conditioning equipment with some cardiovascular equipment or George Mason University that has probably 250000 to $300,000 worth just of woodway treadmills. Well, you're not seeing that within the CrossFit world. I mean, that's, they're not, they're not buying that volume. And, you know, when you're making that type of pivot, you got to say, okay, Hey, what's changed in the industry? I mean, you know, you're looking at CrossFit and if, if you know, or even read a little bit at CrossFit, it is, it is a red line type mentality. And what I mean by that is they're, they're pushing the limits, uh, over, uh, 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 sometimes a short period of time, but you're very high intensity and you're continually, you're, you're continuing to do it. And so you're continuing to break down the body with the goal for the body to adapt. Well, how do we adapt? I mean, you're 20 and 30, 
pretty easy, but when you're 40 and 50, not so easy. So um, making the shift to where, okay, people do want to train harder. Um, I, I do, I do commend, you know, CrossFit. I do feel like they do train smart. Um, but we have to, as we get older, you know, if you have a 30 year old doing your programming and you're 50, uh, his lens is way different than your lens at 50. So having the recovery modalities come in to be able to allow people to train at that level, um, I just felt like that was going to be key. So kind of what we saw is there's going to be a section of the space that we're outfitting that needed to uh, lend itself to an area to where someone could recover. Someone could say, hey, listen, uh, I tell owners, when, when you have your clients leaving your space, you want them to feel good and look forward to coming back, not feel horrible and ask themselves, why am I doing this? Right. So that was just, it just, it just made sense to be, you know, having people leave the facility feeling well, feeling good and ready to come back and even to go about their day. I mean, fitness is, is a small, small part of our day. We have our families, we have our work, we have our communities. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's not sustainable to say, I'm going to go out there and, you know, kill myself at 6am in the morning and then not really be able to pick my head off the desk until one or two. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're not as young as we once were, um, but also, you know, most of us, it's only the 1% that do this professionally, right? So oftentimes sure. it seems like we look towards the professionals. I'm not saying that it's just um, out of context to where most of us are um, as it relates to fitness and, and doing that. And like you said, you know, you want to walk away feeling good, like, yeah, that you did something hard but you don't want to necessarily think, Oh, I don't want to ever do that again because it kicked my tail. (laughs) It's so bad. Right. And if you can find ways to hedge against that. Right. Right. Appropriate. Well, the other thing too, I mean, you have children, I have children. um, You know, if I can't go out in the backyard and throw, um, you know, throw passes and, and, and run drills with them uh, later in the day, what's the purpose of having fitness? Right. I mean, in my mind's eye, that's what it's what we call kind of wellness capacity. You know, wellness is always people define it as a state in a sense of being fit or being well. I define it, you know, as an, as an actual being able to do. And so that wellness capacity to be able to say, Hey, listen, I can do, you know, if Scott calls me up and says, Hey, um, my wife's got this crazy project for me to do. Can you come help me? I can, I can say yes, right? I have the ability, I have the capacity to be able to say yes. And um, I, I think we uh, underestimate the, uh, you know, what that does for the mindset, even for the hormonal response to being able to say yes to someone, I can help you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the community element is, is an important piece of that too, is being able to, you know, show up, strong, being able to help somebody out and, and, um, create that community with somebody. So at the RXR three recovery lounge, Haymarket, Virginia. So you've got a couple different modalities. Maybe let's pick one or two and dig into those, like what it is in in an abbreviated format, you know, what it is, what it does and, uh, why I would do it. For sure. I, um, I typically, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to take up too much time. I have a triplet, something I try to do weekly. Um, I do like stacking the, 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 the services because I do feel like 
you know, one builds on top of the other and kind of assist uh, or, or, you know, kind of uh, maximizes the, the overall resort of the other. But I, I usually start with, um, with pulse electromagnetic field. It's a PEMF. That's the abbreviation. Um, we use pulse centers, um, PMF machine. Uh, we have two of them. We have an X1 and uh, an XL Pro. And basically, if we think about when we are healing, and I'll just use that as a broad term, healing, even, you know, after a workout, you know, your body needs to heal. It needs to repair what you've broken down. But, I mean, you have people that have strains. You have overuse injuries that need to be healed. Um, I've I've had people come in that have infections on the skin. Uh, That requires healing. And and just kind of getting into the, the basis of it, how do we heal well, we need to increase, you know, we heal from the cell's energy. I mean, you think as, as, as worst case, you know, you have a malignant tumor. You know, that cell is, uh, uh, that cancerous cell has a very low um, energy and, and within that cell. So we want to increase that energy. One of the best studies out there was from NASA. It was a four-year, $10 million study. And what their goal was, was how long does it take for an individual to go from um, a low intracellular charge to back to what you know, they would consider normal? And so um, intracellular charge is, you know, the highly negative it is, the better. Um, so if you break your bone, you're, you know, if, we, if, if there was a measurement of that, that would be probably a negative 50 millivolts. Average is about negative 25 and anything below negative 21 is sick. And so a cancer cell is positive 30 millivolts. And so what we're trying to do is increase that overall cellular charge uh, through uh, going through the body. Um, in the early 70s, it was FDA approved for bone growth. Um, we've got pictures in here showing from you know, a nine-day span from a broken radius. In nine days, it's, it's completely healed. Um, and so how, but that happens, I mean, the body's naturally going to increase its charge, but it can only do that so much. And so we're going to artificially or synthetically bring that up so that we can increase the, the rate of healing. Um, and we underestimate it's not just healing. I mean, how much does our nervous system depend on, um, overall cellular charge? And, you know, obviously in today's time, as we're speaking now, there's a lot of people that have high anxiety and high stress, high cortisol levels that challenges the system. I mean, that is, I mean, the body's continually in a fight or flight, high cortisol, high adrenal gland um, state. And so how do we calm that down? Well, we calm that down by giving the body energy so that it feels like it's safe. It's not in a fight or flight state. So I usually start off with that. And then I usually spend 45 minutes. I mean, the goal is three hours of PMF a week. Um, it, the, the study I spoke earlier, NASA, they concluded at 51 hours, that's how long it would take to get somebody from a sick or after, obviously, you come off the space shuttle. You're, I mean, sometimes they have to carry those guys off the shuttle. But, um, you know, at 51 hours, you, you, you know, your body is going to be at a state to where you're going to be what they would consider healthy and vibrant. Um, I follow that with um, we have sensory deprivation tanks. That's kind of a harsh term. We like to call them float tanks. What that is, it's a, it's, a, it's a tank that has anywhere between 11 to 12 inches of water. That water is conditioned to your, your skin temperature, so it's going to be the same. It's about 92 to 93 degrees. Um, 
And so your brain no longer has to heat or thermoregulate. Um, it's dark. Uh, you can turn on lights if you want. And uh, the cool thing of it is, is it's got like 1,200 to 1,500 pounds of Epsom salt. So it's dent the Dead Sea. So it's pushing your body to the top and you can, you know, effortlessly float. Um, why is that important? I mean, we're always under tension. Uh, I mean, gravity is always pulling us down. And then when we go out and run, we go out and lift, um, our body is, is, is compressing. And so we want to decompress and, you know, think about what, what that means to decompress. Someone says, Hey, I've had a rough day. I need to decompress. Well, in their mind's eye, they just kind of want to chill out. Um, and then you can think of a physiological way. We want to decompress. You think about decompressing the spine, um, that allows, you know, your whole electrical system to work better. So we started off with PMF, charging the electrical system, and then we decompress and kind of take some of the, you know, some of that tension that we have from day to day. Um, so I spend 60 to 90 minutes. Usually I, I, I pop right out of there at 75 minutes. Um, studies have shown uh, 90 minutes in pervading like three to four hours of REM sleep. Um, so obviously, you know, as, as you know, um, you probably talked with some folks on the, on, on the podcast that, that sleep is, is, a, is, is really the, the, the key for recovery. Yep. Um, so that kind of helps my circadian rhythms kind of even out. Um, I come out of there and then I go into our, uh, our light stem, our red light therapy bed for 40 minutes. And, um, that has a number of, uh, of, of, of upside benefits. The key thing that I'm doing that for is an increase in nitric oxide. Um, obviously my body's relaxed, increasing nit- nitric oxide in the body allows what we're doing there is a vasodilation. So we get more, more blood flow. Um, but even, you know, you're increasing collagen as well, just from the stress of the, of the red light. And what basically what that has is five different wavelengths of red light. Um, one of the key, 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 light waves is the is the deep red and the infrared uh that's getting deepest into the derma and the deeper you get into the derma um the 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 greater the increase of uh of not only nitric oxide but also the production of collagen and um you know when i say collagen people always think of the skin i think of the white you know the i'm thinking of the joints and the tendons um that that needs uh an increase of collagen you know to, to recover from, you know, the, uh, the stress. And I, I, I finished in April, I, I did my first 50 miler and, um, the red light bed was a very, you know, if I didn't have any time, if I only had 20 minutes, I would definitely get 20 minutes into the red light bed and, and feel as though I can, I can go, you know, accomplish the things that I needed to do throughout the day. Yeah. That's, uh, it's interesting because especially with the nitric oxide discussion, um, and, and how that helps. And do you, uh, ever integrate any kind of like breathing methodology while doing the red bed as well? Um, you know, the great question. So I had, probably in the past three weeks, um, I have not done it in the red bed. Although I, 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 I have, you know, you, you encouraged me last year with the nasal breathing. So I had tried to do that, but my breathing, I typically do the breathing in the float tank. Um, it's, as you know, when you start to see, you know, the kind of the, the, the lights and the swirls, um, uh, when you start to do the breath holds. So I do, 
I do probably box breathing. I start off with box breathing. Then I'll do a light nasal breathing, deep in, exhale. Um, and then I'll do some breath holds while I'm in there. Uh, and it just takes you into a little bit of a deeper state of, um, of meditation while you're in the tank. Yeah. Well, I can speak for the float tank. Um, you know, I've done that a couple of times and need to do it more consistently, but you know, that experience was definitely unique where, um, you're kind of, you're floating, even though it's 12 inches of water, but I just, it felt like a, uh, a bit of a chiropractic experience too, is laying in the water. You can hear your bones and, and joints kind of popping and releasing, uh, from that weightlessness sensation, uh, for that recovery element. Yeah, for sure. I've got, I've, I've got a couple of chiropractors that'll recommend their patients. I mean, you know, with chiropractors, I mean, they, they have a tough job and if your body's not wanting to give up, and uh and get that adjustment it's 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 a tough job and sometimes can be painful for the patient so they'll they'll recommend their their patients coming in and doing a float before an adjustment and it's i mean i've had people just say man it's just like butter i just i mean they just they just go right through it yeah i mean it makes sense if it's kind of releasing that pressure and that's a lot of the issue when it comes to chiropractic is the mobility of the individual and being able to effectively get them through and so if they're tight in a particular area you don't want to just coldly like anything else so you don't you want to warm up before you work out similarly uh it seems like that would make sense to kind of release the body a little bit of the stress to make the the pliability more effective absolutely absolutely so um you also have a couple other services uh in there i know there's the cryo tank that's one i think that uh i know for me was uh a mental push through maybe <laughs> uh, when you start talking about how cold that is and just anyway, I feel like, you know, Han Solo in uh, <laughs> Star Wars. Um, but anyway, maybe explain, explain that and the benefits. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, is I, I tell all my folks, I mean, I, you know, if we have customers come in, six to seven of them would be females. I mean, we have more females that do the cryotherapy than males and, and, and they, I, you know, they seem to be a hair bit tougher. I've, I've had males, you know, get in there and they're like five seconds in and say, let me out. Um, you know, a couple of things I, I think, you know, I always talk about adaptation. I think everything in here and everything we do in life, um, causes us to adapt, you know, either we're not going to do it anymore. Um, or we're going to adapt and grow. So getting uncomfortable, you know, whether that's a new job, a new place to live, um, a new circumstance in life, um, it, our adaptation, is that easy? No. And so I, I think just a small inoculation of training, uh, you know, on the nervous system, but even physically, psychologically, hey, this is hard. This too will pass, it will end, and then before you know it, three minutes is up and you're out. Um, so I, I think that just, I mean, we've had a lot of parents bring their children in here that have high anxiety and, and just going through the cryotherapy, them going into something they feel like they can't do and then they accomplish it. It does a lot for their, their mental state and just allows you kind of to grow from that and then just kind of accomplish and overcome some of the challenges that they have in life. And that's kind of the first part. The second part is, I mean, it's, it's all about inflammation. And I think, you know, immune system is, is on everybody's radar and 
you know, when you think about the immune system, one of the biggest challenges is inflammation. And so we need a certain amount of inflammation, but typically most Americans have too much inflammation. So knocking that down a little bit, um, you know, there's, there's, if if someone measures their C-reactive proteins, um, if they're over a certain level, you know, they're, they're, they have too much inflammation in the body. So being able to knock that down so that people can move, um, so the cold actually, you know, naturally does that, but it doesn't do it like you would think it, you know, it doesn't do it like, Hey, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sit in an ice bath for 20 minutes. I mean, you typically are having a reduction of tissue size. You're not getting that in three minutes, but what you are getting is the signaling from the brain or from, from the skin, you have thermoreceptors in the skin that sends a signal to the brain and says, Hey, listen, we've had a 10 degree drop, a 15 degree drop, a 20 degree drop of skin temperature. Um, we need to make some changes here. This is not good for, you know, if we continue to get this cold, we're going to die. So 80% of the body's fluids come to the core. So for obvious reasons, we, you know, we can, we can live without a hand, but we can't live without a heart. So just to surround that area to keep, you know, that, that core temperature at a certain level. Um, the cool thing about that is that circulation, you're getting an increase of oxygen, um, and we're getting, you know, a vasodilation because we need to move this, we need to move this through very fast. And so, um, and then once you come out, that reoxygenated fluid and blood goes through the periphery. Um, and that oxygen, obviously, you know, it's natural result when it's in its environment, it reduces inflammation. So, um, a lot of people think the cold reduces the, the inflammation, but it's in a sense of just an increased oxygen flow throughout the body that, it, that, that, that's going to reduce that that inflammation through. That's why a lot of people get out of there. It's not just so much that they feel numb, but I mean, they literally, I mean, they, they could come in with back pain or knee pain. It's like, man, I don't feel anything now. And, and they think it's just because they just feel numb because it's, I mean, their body temperatures, you know, got down to 48, 50 degrees. Um, but it's really since that, that blood flow coming back through that reoxygenated blood, um, you know, during the session. Um, so, there's so actually, like- there's, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it's a bit of a catalyst to help enable or create the innate ability for the body to respond to circumstances and do what it's designed to do. Uh, but so it's like just enough stress to enable that without kind of pre- crush. Absolutely. It's what they call a hormetic stress. I mean, if I left a guy in there, he would kill him, but just to have that, that small inoculation is going to, to stimulate the body to, to have a positive effect. What else uh, is at the uh, recovery lounge that you guys are utilizing? Um, I mean, something as simple as just the sauna, the infrared sauna. Um, I mean, there was probably one of the best studies out there is, is, is from Finland and they, they, they took, they, they followed a group of guys, 38, I don't know why it was just 38 years, but, um, and you know, in Finland, everybody does heat, some type of heat therapy. And so you had guys that were doing it two to three times a week and you had guys that were doing it four to five times a week and the guys that were doing it four to five times a week, you know, had 40%. They're, they live 40% longer than the guys that only did it two or three times. So, you know, you have a detoxing. Um, we have that, our low two system, uh, which is our, our oxygen contrast, where we're contrasting 85% oxygen with 14% oxygen. Um, you know, here in, in Virginia, we're, you know, percent of, uh, percent of air molecule, oxygen molecules in the air is 21%. And so in Aspen, Colorado, you're about 14%. And then we four times that. So once we, once we desaturate the body, we use pulse oximeters to kind of measure, you know, where the body's oxygen is in the periphery. And so once we desaturate, 
then we resaturate um, at 85%. So we're there again, challenging the body. Um, we, you know, the goal is to create a hunger for the body's oxygen and then profuse it with oxygen. So we, you know, we're, you know, you can only, as you know, I mean, you had, I think with Peter McAllen on, on a while back, um, you can only put so much oxygen in the red blood cell. So the goal here is to put it deep into the plasma. And so the most oxygen in the plasma so that the body can mitigate inflammation, but also increase the capacity, you know, to, to have more oxygen when you're at your you know peak performance. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a positive uh, interest rate <laughs> multiplier, force multiplier. Um, For sure. So, Tim, you know, we're kind of coming up on time. Uh, grateful for it, for your expertise in this. And, uh, you know, personally for uh, inspiring me to, to a degree on, on starting this podcast and the services you guys have. Um, what I like to do is close things out with a few personal questions. So sure. what are you reading right now? The Wedge. Well, I got a couple of books. Um, I, I am uh, re not necessarily rethinking, just learning things on farming. So I'm reading Gabe's Brown Dirt to Soil. Uh, I, I have a little mini farm. We raise pigs and chickens and I want to get into doing cows. So we're looking at more acreage and just re it's a, it's five tenets of, of farming. One of is no till, uh, but just, you know, kind of, uh, I, I want to be a hair bit more sustainable, but also, uh, understanding, you know, a, a former or an older way of for agriculture. So I've got a couple of books that I'm reading on that, but probably my favorite book right now is the wedge. Um, and, um, Marcus Aurelius meditation. So that's, uh, that's the three books that I'm, I'm reading right now. Um, but I think the wedge is something that's really, not, really neat. He was the guy that did, uh, Wim Hof's he, a couple of years back, Scott Carney, uh, Wim Hof, what doesn't kill you. Uh, but he's got a new book out now called the wedge. I like it. Cool. Uh, what are you listening to right now? Music or podcast? Uh, you know what? I, um, after I did the 50, I, I'm not running as much as, as, as I used to. Um, so I, I have not been listening, you know, when I run, so I, I'm running probably maybe 20 miles a week. I've been listening to the birds. Um, it, it's, and I miss it because I feel like there's a lot out there. I mean, I'm trying to keep up with your podcast and I do like Jocko Willink's podcast um, just on leadership. So I guess when I'm listening, when I do listen, I, I focus on leadership, anything to help me be a better leader. Okay. And last one, and we probably touched on all of them, but what is your go-to rest and recovery method? That's a tough one. Um, yeah. My favorite one, I, you know, here recently it's been the red bed. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing some research now just to kind of just, uh, everybody feels it, but nobody has an understanding of why it happens. It's that post-workout flu or that blah. And you just feel like you just can't, you know, you can just barely put two sentences together. Um, what has really helped me, I've tried to do red bed within two hours post-workout and it takes it all away. I mean, just the sense of where, you know, you, the heaviness, the, the buildup of lactic acid in the, in the tip, it gets me in the arms and the chest and the back and the legs. You just feel heavy. So 40 minutes of the red bed within two to three hours after a workout has been magic. 
Cool. Yeah, I can definitely relate to the post-workout, like after running any extended period of time that uh, the brain leaves the building, it seems like at times, and I can't formulate sentences or yeah. ask me anything yeah. in depth, and I'm like, uh, come back to me later. Exactly. And I, you know, for me, I can't, I can't afford, I can't afford to have that two to three hour long. I would just lay down. I, 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 I got perfect at a 21 minute nap. So I, instead of just doing a nap on the floor, I just do a 40 minute in the red bed or sometimes just a 20 minute in the red bed. And it just, it just flips the switch. Awesome. Well, again, Tim, uh, grateful for the time and, uh, appreciate you. Thanks. Hey, brother, I appreciate you, man. Keep hammering. Keep, I mean, I, I, your consistency on the podcast is inspiring. So I, I, I commend you on that. Not an easy thing to do. I appreciate it. All right, sir. Bye, brother. Thank you for listening to this episode. Lots of great practical tips covered here today. And if you know someone who could get some value out of this episode, please share. Be super grateful. Uh, we're all about being well and improving our, our life. And so if someone can get value out of this, please remember to uh, subscribe, review, and share. Again, grateful for you. Remember, be rested, be well.